Hello, everyone. This is Victor Jackson. Welcome to the Bible Centered Podcast. Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Jashem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Jashem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. I, I want to preach today about Nehemiah, and I want to preach on the, the anointing of the cupbearer. The anointing of the cupbearer. Can you lay your Bibles down and everyone close your eyes, lift up your hands. Let's ask God to speak in this house. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your people. They have come desiring you and seeking after you. They, they have faith that you're going to do something in them today. And I'm asking for you to honor that faith. I'm asking for you to reach down with your grace and do a work in them. God, I'm asking for you to transform hearts, Lord, because you are the foundation. You, you are our strength. You are our, our song. And God, I'm asking for you to, to comfort someone today. God, I'm asking for you to lift up someone's head. And I'm asking for you to transform their lives as only you can. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you clap your hands to the Lord? Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Somebody shout yes. The anointing of the cupbearer. Nehemiah had a very unique occupation whenever he was working under the king of Persia. He was in one of the most trusted positions as an official in the king's court. And that trusted position was also the most dangerous, one of the most dangerous positions because he was the king's cupbearer. He was responsible for serving the drinks anytime that the king had uh, guests in the palace and anytime someone wanted to give the king the drink, the cupbearer would be the one that would taste it first just to make sure there wasn't poison in it a cupbearer they they put their life on the line all the time every day there was a possibility that they could be poisoned and God put a, a, a man of God a a Hebrew man in the graces and the favor of this king and but but favor 
often comes with with the uh, some type of danger. And so he, he's favored, but every day there, there's a threat to take him down. If uh, I think there's uh, when your every day possibly can be can die, I think that kind of increases your prayer life. Uh, this wasn't going to work every day. This wasn't going to work. This was, this man is serving the most important man in the world. The king of Persia. At the height of his empire. Everybody wants to kill this man. And here comes this Hebrew man in favor with this king. Trustworthy. Meaning he heard all the secret conversations of the king. And he could be trusted because whatever the king told him, it wouldn't get out into the kingdom. Now, what's amazing about this man, and this is a paradox, it is that Nehemiah's name, it literally means God comforts. That's a paradox to me because his name means God comforts, yet every day there's a possibility he could die. He's in the most dangerous position, yet his name is God comforts. One thing about comfort is that it doesn't mean everything is perfect in your life when God comforts you. As a matter of fact, the word comfort would not exist without some level of pain. Comfort means to ease pain and get relief from pain. So pain gives an opportunity for comfort. And so Nehemiah's life is filled with ups and downs and and the mountains and the valleys of life, but there's one thing that he can hold on to, and that is God comforts. He's a comforting God. He hears about in Jerusalem that that the walls, that there are people still dwelling in Jerusalem, the Israelites. Remember, they were taken away. They were taken in captivity to Babylon. But under King Cyrus, Cyrus allowed some of the Jews to go back into into, uh, Jerusalem where they could rebuild the temple. And so Zerubbabel, they were building the temple. The temple that was once destroyed, they they began to build it back up. But when they began to build it back up, the Bible Bible says that the young men that they were excited to see the new temple but the Bible says that the old men wept because the problem was there was no glory that came down and the issue with this text is that that they were building the temple but they had lost they had lost the glory they had lost the glory of God to make the temple what it was aren't you thankful to be in a place where you can still feel the glory of God where you can still feel the touch of God and so the old men as they dedicated the temple the old men they wept because they remembered the glory that had descended on the temple and now years 60 years would pass and here comes uh, Nehemiah because uh, they built the temple number one Uh, number two Ezra went forward and gave him the word and started to build up the community Uh, but the problem is Nehemiah just got word that yes they have wonderful community in Jerusalem but the problem 
problem is that the walls were broken down when the wall of Jerusalem is broken down it means that that the people of God are now susceptible to being destroyed they have no defenses to protect the people they are just an open aim at, at any target of the enemy and Nehemiah this cupbearer he begins to hear that people are defenseless he begins to hear that people are seeking refuge he begins to hear that people have no help of external means and it begins to bring a burden on the inside of him where he couldn't even do his occupation as well as he wanted to do it anymore because it's the need of the people pushed him into prayer because he sat down and wept when he started thinking about people that were that could be possible victims and people that were defenseless and had no one to protect them and he knew if there's anybody that could do anything he was looking around for somebody to stand in the gap nobody wanted to help these defenseless people so he began to weep and cry and cry out to God and say God we need you to do something I'm so thankful for Nehemiah because he didn't just see people in pain and walk past. He didn't just see people struggling and say that wasn't his responsibility, that that wasn't his occupation. What I love about this cupbearer is that whenever the people were defenseless, he had a heart of compassion that said, I got to do something and all I know is how to bring a cup, but you know what? I'll figure out how to build a wall. Don't you love people like that? People that can just figure it out. It may not be their expertise. They may not be an expert in a certain area. But if they see a need with somebody, they will spring into action and do whatever it takes. I'm thankful for a Nehemiah that doesn't just sit back and watch the world be defenseless because of Satan's attacks. But he springs into action and say, you know what? The first thing I'm going to do is pray. The first thing I'm going to do is weep. The first thing I'm going to do is seek after God and I, I think one thing that has been lost in, in, in Christianity is, is uh, as, as the mainstream is people have lost the ability to weep they've lost the ability to weep over over sin they've lost the ability to weep over people in a struggle and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And so because we see walls broken down everywhere, we just focus on our cup-bearing responsibilities. Come on, somebody. We just focus on what we're doing. But I'm telling you that there are people that are defenseless crying out for help. There are people that are defenseless crying out for somebody to get the attention off of themselves for a moment. And the spring into action, spring into mission. Several years ago, about a hundred years ago, there was a, a, a general by the name of William Booth. He's the one that started the, found, the, the Salvation Army. And there were two missionaries that he sent to California. And they had been there for three years. And for three years, as they were trying to build the church, 
nobody was coming. The church was empty. It was cobwebs. Nobody was coming to church. And so in their frustration, they sent General William Booth a telegram. And, and he, they said, listen, it, it's, it's, it's bad. Nobody's coming to church. Nobody's, nobody wants God. Nobody wants this. We've tried everything. We've tried everything. And General William Booth waited and sent them back a telegram with only two words. Try tears. When nothing else works, try tears. When, when, when nothing's going right in your life, try tears. Come on, because the king can't ignore tears. Come on, the savior can't ignore tears. And when somebody feels enough burden on the inside of them to weep over it, the king won't pass you by. So Nehemiah goes back, listen, he goes back and he's weeping over this. And he goes back and serves his king. And when he serves his king, he's looking real sad in the presence of the king. And he said, I'd never been, this king had never seen me sad. He said, Nehemiah, what, what do you want me to do? He said, man, the, my people, the, the walls are broken down. They are, they are defenseless. And, and he said, they, they need help. And the king empowered him, gave his authority for Nehemiah to go and start rebuilding the walls. I, I'm just wondering what that conversation looked like. You want to build a wall? Yes. Have you ever built a wall? No. Like, like you ever did? I mean, have you ever done drywall? No. I, what is your expertise? I just pick up a drink and I hand it. That, that's, that's, that's my gifting. But, but you see, a burden doesn't need gifting. He went with a burden, and the burden superseded his gift. Some people are scared to step into unknown territories because they're not gifted yet. But once you get a burden, the burden supersedes the gift. And a burden can create a gift. How many, how many successful companies in the world that started because they saw a need? They saw a need and they had a burden to fit that need. All of a sudden they discovered their gift to meet the need. I told someone years ago, what good is an anointing if you waste it on yourself? An anointing is for divine enablement. It is to help others. It's not for us. It's for others. And I'm telling you, if this church is going to operate in the realms of the anointing that God is calling us to, we've got to get a burden, a fresh burden for our community, for every hurting, for every broken, for every loss, for every... Come on, somebody. Oh, God in heaven. you notice but the walls are broken down in Orlando people are hurting people are broken there's people suffering from abuse physical spiritual sexual abuse and they are looking for somebody to stop thinking about their situations for a moment uh, and begins to stretch a hand out and say hold on uh, let me take you to a place of refuge uh, we can help you rebuild your life uh, you don't have to stay there by yourself uh, you can come up out of the pit come on and be what God has called you to be and we're not going to judge you we're not going to beat you 
God in heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the, the, the walls are broken down and, and somewhere we have to get our eyes off of ourselves and get our eyes off of, see, see, Nehemiah was making a good living. Cupbearers made a good living. They were some of the most expensive officials. They had the, the, some of the greatest salary because their lives were in jeopardy every day in their occupation. But Nehemiah said, I've got something in my spirit that is greater than money. I've got something in my spirit that is greater than fear or danger. I've got something in my spirit and that is a burden from the Lord. And a burden from the Lord will have you go into the roughest places in the city and go and grab somebody by the hand and say you come on out God has a plan for you come on somebody uh, somebody with the burden will visit somebody in a prison visit somebody in a prison of depression a prison of sickness a prison of anxiety and say hey you don't have to stay there any longer come on out we're going to rebuild your life come on you can rebuild your life from the rubble from the divorce from the heartache come on somebody from the sickness God comforts and Nehemiah begins and goes and he inspects the walls this is, has to be funny to me he's going to inspect the wall he don't know what he's doing <laughs> he don't even know what he's looking for Just, yeah 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 that's broken down you're like, uh, yeah. It's kind of why you're here, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of reiterating. And you know when you only know a little bit, you try to make it sound like a lot? Like, it's broken down. Like, what do you mean? Like, like, like the brokenness of it? It's like, it's like kind of distorted, kind of separated. Like, so it's broken down. Yeah, it's broken down, but I'm looking for another word. It's, 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 it's like depreciated. It's... You start using bigger words. Start, it's like it's like it's not it's not fitting. It's not it's it's broken down. No, I don't want to say it like that. It's make it philosoph philosophical, philosophizing. <laughs> Nehemiah is inspecting these walls. You got to admire this guy's courage because everybody's watching them. And he and and and, and a man that's a cup that's never built anything when he steps on site he's a threat all of the enemies start getting riled up because this cupbearer that never built a wall watch this started caring hell is afraid when we start caring for others Whew. Hell is afraid when you start when you start saying enough is enough. My family is not going to be living like that. Enough is enough. My friend isn't gonna die in that depression like that. Come on, somebody, and you're getting resisted because of your care and nurture for somebody else. So what hell will do? What hell will do is hell will, will attack you to get your eyes back on yourself. Come on, somebody. Hell, hell will attack you to make you stop thinking of others and start thinking about your own survival. 
And so you forget the rebuilding of the wall and say, well, I got to protect my cupbearer ministry. Is this, is, have you ever had a burden to do something more and you start trying to do it and all hell breaks loose? And what, what's the first thing you think? What did I do wrong? See, the first thing after attack, the first thing that's elevated is I. I. How did this happen to me? Say, hey, hey, let's go build the wall. Whoa, 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 bro. Listen, I'm in, I'm in too much pain to think about a wall. Come on, somebody. I'm helping somebody right now. This is what hell does to you every time you start trying to step out to do something. He will resist you to draw your attention off of the mission and back on me. Back on the me. Isn't that the truth? You leave the church service and you're going like, I'm about to conquer the world. I'm going to reach this. I'm going to text this. I'm going to text this. Hey, I got some bad news. Oh, no. <laughs> and then... And then you forget, watch this, then you forget who you were supposed to text and reach out to. Come on, somebody. And then next Sunday comes, and then you, as soon as you step in, you're almost like, oh, my God, I remember I was supposed to. I didn't do it, but Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. And then you're like, I'm going to do it this week. I'm going to help somebody. I'm going to help somebody. And then, and then you're like, hey, have you heard? And hell begins to keep you in a reactive state. To keep you from being proactive, accomplishing God's will for your life. They start rebuilding these walls. And the whole time they're rebuilding the walls, they're being resisted. And as they're being resisted, the, the adversaries were conspiring. They were praying for God's protection. Listen. And now they're having to build with one hand and holding a weapon in the other hand. That's where many of y'all are at right now. You're trying to build your life with one hand while you're trying to keep the past off of you. With the... What are those things that the uh, on guard? Fencing. You got the fence. And, and you, you come on Sundays and, and Wednesdays and you open your Bible and, and, you're, going, and you're praying and, and you're trying to build. But every, every time you're trying to build, it's like, my God, get, get off of me. Just, just like, just, just. I know that's illegal in fencing. You're not supposed to use your feet. But, you know, when you're fighting the devil, there are no rules. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm about to bite you. I'm about to trip you. Come on, somebody. I'm putting some brass knuckles on. Come on. No rules. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming for you. Amen. And so they, they, they have a weapon in one hand. Some of them had spears. You have a weapon in one hand and some of them had a sword on this side. And that is so uncomfortable when you're trying to build your life, but you kind of feel these pressures. Like at any moment, somebody could tear something up. Isn't that the truth? And the anointing of this cupbearer, he continued 
continues to build in the midst of opposition. That's a, a point that I want to make in this message. You have to learn how to build your life for God even while you're going through opposition. Don't put your life on hold. Come on, somebody. To, to put all your focus and attention on the attack, you've got to learn how to work and manage the attack. You've got to learn how to build and manage the attack. You've got to learn how to build for the future and manage the past. Come on, somebody. Don't give it all your attention. It just needs just a little bit. And, and, and I'm going to be coming to, to, to a point here because they thwart this opposition and they're trying every tactic. And finally, in the text that, that, that I read to you, they come with all of these attacks. It takes them about 52 days to build the wall. And they're mocking it from the beginning. They're mocking th this wall because they're scared. They're scared that the Jews might start feeling human again. That they might start valuing themselves again. Any time you're starting to get any type of uh, confidence in, in the Lord, hell will try to discourage that confidence. And the Bible says that this person, Sambalat and Geshem, that they come and there were no breaches because they were building. Nehemiah had people on guard. See, sometimes God hides you a little bit so you can get to work. Because if you're out in the open too quickly, the enemy's coming for you. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you're overlooked because it's an indication you need to be building something. See, Nehemiah was working all day and night and he had guards out in the night and all the time to protect the work. And the issue with this generation is they want to make all their hard work public. Like they want to be seen working hard. It's like, it's like, all right, get the picture, get the picture ready. Uh, do I have one sweat coming down right there? Yeah, yes, you do. Ah, I need a second. Hold on. Uh, do, do I look burdened yet? Everything has to be, be seen. As a matter of fact, they're getting tired of some of these professional athletes in their off-season because they put all these off-season highlights of themselves working out and then just to show up in the next season and they still play the same way. So they're like, man, I'm tired of your Instagram highlights. Just they thought, I want to see it in the real. I want to see it in the game. <laughs> that's what happened. I'm telling you, that, that, that's what happened. And, and, and one, one athlete, he was, I mean, he was, he was an all-star. He was a good, I mean, this was a good, this was a great player, but the only issue was he couldn't shoot threes. And so, in his off-season highlights, he would be making all these threes. And he put the clips of them. He's making three, he's making like 10 threes in a row. And then the, then the following year comes, and he doesn't shoot a three. And then the next year comes in the offseason, he's making all these threes. 
And so he didn't do it again. They didn't shoot two threes the whole year. Finally, the next year, they did the picture of threes. They, start, they started roasting him like, man, I ain't believe in this. I, ain't, I, ain't, I want to see it in the game. I, it's just... And, and some, some, some people don't know how to have an off-season. Where, where you go into your bag and you build your bag. Where you disappear for a moment and work on something. Come back speaking Latin. Hey, come on, somebody. C come back speaking some Hebrew in the place. Come on. Francais. Y'all not here. Come on, c'est va? Got to learn how to disappear and, and, and get to work. Come on, somebody. And, and, and this is what Jesus mastered in obscurity. 30 years, nobody knows who he is. But when he comes on the scene in the timing of God, everybody knows who he is. You've got to learn how to thrive and work on the gift and the calling and the anointing of God in secret so God can reward you publicly. But, when, but if Jesus was exposed too soon, it would, he would get on hell's radar too quickly. First two years, they tried to destroy him. He had to disappear for 28 years in Nazareth just to give time for him to be what he needed to be at 30. And, and, but what if he's exposed all the time? Hey, guys, I'm God. I'm God, yeah. I'm God, yeah. Want to see a miracle? Want to see a miracle? Like, uh, somebody killed this guy. See, you prepare in private so whenever the pressure comes in public, you have the backbone to handle it. Oh, are you going to get it? Are you getting it? So you have a spine that says, hey, I didn't get this today. I've been working on this for five years. I, I didn't get this today. I've been working on this in private for the last six months. I, you just found out about me, but God been new about me. Come on. And me and God's been working together, and you cannot destroy what God is destined to live. Come on. you got to learn how to disappear in the presence of God. Whenever, whenever he, he, he's building now, they see that they have no power over him to stop him. And this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about Nehemiah, the cupbearer's focus. Because nobody could stop what he was doing. And when the devil understood that they couldn't stop what he was doing, they tried to distract him from what he was doing. See, when, when hell cannot have dominion over you, he'll try to distract you. He'll, he'll try to distract you. He'll try to distract you from the mission. So now he, all your time is spent. And the wall and the wall's just standing cold. Hell wants to distract you, but the anointing of the cupbearer keeps building in the distraction. He says, I am doing a great work, so I cannot come down. I'm about to help somebody. Stop answering every fight that comes your way. Listen, I know you can fight. Just how, just how sweet you are, I know you can fight. 
Like, that's the ones you got to watch out for. When like, oh, praise, praise the Lord. Like, Ooh. I'm going to stay on their good side because y'all, y'all not hearing me. Y'all, look, everybody trying to put the sweet face on right now. Like, oh, just, just no. I know you saved, but you still know how to fight. Amen. You, you, you don't have to answer every fight. See, because you, you have so much strength and capacity, what you like doing is testing your strength. So when somebody come and test you, you're like, what's up, bro? I've been here before, man. What's up? Like, it's like, just, a soft answer turns away wrath. You, you, you gotta, you're so ready, you're too ready. They're like, hey, God, what you was about to say? <laughs> no, I was about to say, I love, no, no, uh, what's up, man? Like, like you too ready. Like, that's somebody that's just too ready to rock. Like, you, you just, and the problem is you're so busy testing your strength with these, here it is, fights that don't matter. <laughs> the Bible says that the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit who can bear. Everyone say the spirit of a man. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit who can bear. Meaning God has put everything within your spirit to manage any infirmity on your journey. That no infirmity, no pain would ever come to you if you didn't have already within, here it is, your human spirit to overcome it. I didn't say the Holy Spirit, I said your human spirit. Because that's, Pro, that, that's Proverbs I'm talking about. He said the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. Meaning when God created you and he put a human spirit in you, everything in that human spirit, you can handle the weight and the pressures for the rest of your journey, for the rest of your life. That's with the human spirit. That's why a Thomas Edison could fail 10,000 times and keep on working. They, they, don't, they didn't have the Holy Ghost, but they have a human spirit. That's why the Wright brothers, they could keep on trying to fly. They didn't have the Holy Ghost, but they, in their human spirit, they had the ability to get back up. See, you're made in the image of God. I'm about to help you now. Now, he put that in your human spirit to sustain your infirmity. But he said, a wounded spirit who can bear. Meaning, God put everything in your spirit to handle anything on the path of your destiny. Watch this. But when you start stepping out of your path, you open your spirit up to get wounded. Because your sp human spirit wasn't made for that. You just went into something extra. And you open yourself up to a wounded spirit. Because you are operating outside what, 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 what one writer said in, in the New Testament that he said we have a rule that has been committed to us the word rule is Canaan we have a Canaan that's been committed to us a, a, a Canaan is see there's 66 books in the Canaan there's uh, there's other books there's the uh, uh, different different books that 
from uh, back in the day that talks about uh, talk about the apostles, talk about historical times and uh, the, the, the mock band revolt and all of these things. But the problem is that's not in the inspired Canaan. You see, the Canaan is the rule. It's the measuring. It's the alignment that, that you can't get a word from God outside of these 66 books. There's more books that exist. Come on now. Are you getting it? There's more books that exist out there, but they cannot be verified and because they cannot be verified, they don't fall within the Canaan. So there's things that exist outside the Canaan, but, but what matters is within the Canaan. So here it is with your life. In your life, you have a Canaan. A Canaan of destiny. A rule to walk by. A narrow path, if you will. So there's things that happen on the outside of that path. And if you keep stepping out your path to address it every time, you open your spirit to get wounded. A wounded spirit. And it's what people suffer from. People suffer from what I call, and I believe uh, writers call it this as well, the, 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 the Messiah complex. Where you... you there, our burden, our mission, the gospel to all nations to help. Wave a hand if I'm helping somebody here. I, I'm going to get there. I'm sorry. I, praise God. Amen. Here we are. Uh, but, but we know the gospel is to all nations. So it's a part of our mission to preach the gospel to all nations. And so we're going to focus. Our focus is the presence of God, the word of God, and purity. We want to love people. We want to equip people. And we want to send them forth to serve. That's, that's, that's our mission. That's how, that's how we operate. But we're staying in the Bible biblical principles now. Now, um, a messianic complex is whenever you are stepping off of that path to go and, and do something else that doesn't even fit in with what you're called to do. Does that make sense? It's like you being in a lawyer uh, degree and you can't pass a test because you always at the hospital working with surgeons. Are you getting it? You're saying you're called to be a lawyer. So spend all that time with the lawyer, but you have a messianic complex. You got, you got friends that work in the hospital. So you showing up to do your, you showing up, not even studying for your test. You staying up till three o'clock and four o'clock in the morning, staying with all these patients at a, at a hospital when, when yes, they need help, but your calling and your way to help is to go back to school and finish that law degree. Oh, God in heaven. Are you getting what I'm saying? That you're called to something, you said I want to do something, but all of your energy is wrapped up in things that aren't even on that path. And, and that's how, that, and you open yourself up to a, a wounded spirit because you step outside of the Canaan. Is, is, is this all right? Is this all right? And so what you have to have, and, and when it says the, 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 the wide, wide is the way that leads to destruction and, and narrow is the path that leads to everlasting life. When you, when you look at that, that Greek word narrow, it literally means like a focus. It means that, that you're walking on a path and there's all types of opportunities to go elsewhere and do other things. And there's distractions all around you. The path is wide. There's opportunity everywhere. 
but somewhere you have a divine focus that says I'm staying on the path I have a discipline and what Nehemiah is saying listen I don't have to fight you to get into my destiny I'm doing a great work and I'm not coming down I'm focused on what God has set before me And, and, and what Nehemiah would say is, listen, listen, uh, you know, in our modern vernacular, people say, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Nehemiah said, I'm a cupbearer, not a fighter. <laughs> but here's what's amazing to me. As they rebuild those walls in 52 days, it's amazing that they're so resisted. What is amazing to me is that his name means God comforts and when I looked throughout the entire book of Nehemiah there was not one time that God spoke and this is my message this is my message Nehemiah prayed to God Nehemiah sought after God and and God never responded to him yet his name means God comforts and what's amazing to me about this is that, that God comforts even when he doesn't speak. See, see, the problem is everybody wants an affirmation or a confirmation. Everybody wants a pat on the back. And if they don't get a pat on the back by God, uh, they feel that God has abandoned them. If they don't feel, if God doesn't tell them, hey, you're doing a good job, uh, they will inwardly self-sabotage and, and destroy themselves uh, because they feel abandoned when God is silent. Uh, but when God is silent, it doesn't mean he's not comforting. Uh, he's still comforting in the silence. God in heaven. And, and this is what I came to preach to you this morning is that, is that the, the theme of Nehemiah's life is that God is a comforter, but God doesn't speak one time. It's a one-sided relationship in the book. God never speaks back. He never says, thus saith the Lord. He never hear it, and the Lord answered back and said, it was a silent life, but the theme of Nehemiah is the faithfulness of God, that even when you can't hear him, he's still comforting, he's still working, he's still doing Doing things behind the scenes and what I love about Nehemiah's life is that when he wasn't getting a word from God he was comforted in the work that he was doing for God he was comforting and doing the right thing come on somebody and there was a comfort that he got in just doing what he knew to do He, he got comforted in just doing what he knew to do. He didn't get a word of comfort. No, he got a work of comfort. I'm going to preach right now. God gave him something to do. And it was what he was doing with his gift that he was getting comforted by the Lord. I'm going to preach right now. And no, God wasn't speaking. But God was still guiding every step. God was still helping him. God was the one that was getting him favored with the king. And you see this theme throughout the writings and the prophets in Esther you don't hear the word of God the word God being mentioned one time in the whole book of Esther but it, who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this you don't see the word God no but you can feel God's hand and you can see God's hand and I come to preach to somebody you may not be hearing a fresh voice right now but don't think that 
that you're walking in disobedience uh, or disappointment. Uh, you just got to do what Nehemiah did. Uh, just keep doing the right thing. Uh, and as long as you keep doing the right thing, come on somebody. You're going to feel a comfort from another world. You're going to feel a comfort from the spirit. I wish somebody would clap their hands right now. Come on, somebody clap your hands to the Lord right now. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The anointing of the cupbearer is to keep on working even when you don't hear them. It's to keep on building even when you don't feel them. It's to keep on doing the right thing while you're being resisted. See, some people they need such affirmations and if God doesn't give them an affirmation they'll backslide. They'll throw in the towel. They say, I thought God loved me. I thought God cared about me. I haven't heard his voice in years. And they throw in the towel and they don't come back to God. And they get bitter at God because they didn't hear his voice. But God said, if you will learn to just do the right thing when you don't hear nothing and feel nothing. When you just learn to do what I like. Come on. You're going to get a comfort from another world. And just because I'm not talking doesn't mean I'm not moving. As a matter of fact, the spirit moves before it speaks. I'm going to preach right now. God moves way before he speaks. God moves before he speaks. God moves before he speaks. God moves before he speaks. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God is always moving before he's speaking. And I come to remind you in the Holy Ghost that God has been moving on your behalf and comforting you on your behalf even though he hasn't said anything yet somebody clap your hands if you believe that come on somebody lift up your voice if you believe that come on come on clap your hands all ye people and shout unto God with the voice of triumph oh You see, you see, when I can't hear him, I'm just going to do what he likes. And I know what he likes. The scripture says, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. I'm just going to do the right thing. Come on, somebody. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be. I don't feel it, but I'm going to do the right thing, and there's going to be a comfort. Hallelujah. I'm just going to do the right thing. I don't feel them and I don't hear them. But I'm going to show up to church again. I'm going to clap again. I'm going to say amen again. I'm going to lift up my hands again. Why? Not because I feel it. But I'm going to do the right thing. Come on somebody. And there's going to be a comfort that comes. Anything that you build that lasts, you got to learn how to build it without feeling. You got to learn how to build it without support. You got to learn how to build it with nobody believing in you. You got to learn how to build it. Come on, when people are lying on you, you got to learn how to build it while your life is falling apart. You got to learn how to build it when the marriage isn't well and the kids aren't well and the future isn't looking well. I'm still going to build. And while I'm building, God is going to comfort. 
from the front to the back. I want you to stand to your feet and clap your hands. Musicians can come. From the front to the back, I want you to stand up to your feet. And I want you to clap your hands. And while you're clapping, you're going to feel a comfort. While you're clapping, you're going to feel a comfort. Everything's going to be all right. While you're clapping, you're going to feel a reassurance. Everything is going to be all right. While you're clapping, just do the right thing. Come on, just do the right thing. I don't feel like doing the right thing, but I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the things that God likes. And while I'm doing it, there's going to be a comfort that comes over me. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Comfort. I'm just going to do the right Come on. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the right thing. Hey! I'm going to do the right thing. Heal him, Osiris. Hey! Come on. I've been betrayed, but I'm going to do the right thing. I don't feel good, but I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to open up the book again. I'm going to read the word of God again. I'm going to pray again. I'm going to fast again. And I don't feel good right now, but I'm going to do the right thing. And while I'm building, God's going to comfort my family. While I'm building in the silence, God's going to open a door. I'm doing the right thing. I'm just going to pray again. I didn't get an answer to my prayer yet, but you know what? I'm going to pray again. It's not open. God's not opening up the door yet. But you know what? I'm going to ask again. I'm going to seek again. I'm going to knock again. I'm going to keep on coming. And while I keep on coming, there's going to be a comfort that comes. There's going to be a word that comes. Coming, coming. I'm getting comforted. That's what the Holy Ghost is. It's a comforter. I'm so thankful that God's Spirit is a comforter. I'm so thankful that God's Spirit is a comforter. That even when I don't feel Him, His Spirit will comfort me. Even when I don't know my next step, I'm waiting on an audible word. I don't hear it, but I'm going to obey the book. Come on! When you don't hear, you open up your Bible. Come on, somebody! When you don't hear nothing, open up the book! Let me tell this church something. If you're looking for wisdom in your next decisions, and you haven't heard a word from God yet, you do what Nehemiah and Ezra did. You open up the book, and you start living your life according to this book. Did you hear the audible voice of God? No, I didn't. Did you feel a witness from God? No, not yet. But did you open up the book? Yeah, that's why he gave it to me. Because when the feeling leaves, the word stays. Hey, I'm going to Preach right now! When the feeling leaves, the word stays. So I'm going to obey and walk in the principles of this book. I'm going to link myself up with people that walk in the principles of this book. I'm going to surround myself with people that want to walk in the commandments of the Lord. I'm going to surround myself with people that are trying to live right, that are trying to talk right, that are trying to do right. 
when the feeling leaves, the word of God stays. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. So you know what? I'm going to cleave to this book. I'm going to build my life on this book. I'm going to walk in the word of God. I'm going to allow God to order my steps and something about it. Even when I obey it and I don't feel nothing, I feel a comfort from the Lord. He's saying you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. You're I need somebody to just give them a praise break for a moment. If you've never clapped, you need to clap. If you've never shouted, you need to shout. If you've never danced, you need to dance. If you've never run, you need to run. speak yet? No, he did. I didn't hear nothing yet. Well, I'm going to grab my neighbor by the hand and I'm just going to do the right thing and I'm going to pray for somebody whose walls of Jerusalem may be broken down. I'm going to care for somebody. You're never more a threat to hell when you're caring for somebody. Come on, when you're comforting somebody, that's a sign you are made in the image of God. So I want you to grab somebody by the hand. We're gonna, we're gonna worship. We're gonna shout. We're gonna worship just like that. You can keep on building. I want you to grab somebody by the hand, from the front to the back, and I just want you to worship the Lord. I want you to begin to comfort somebody that everything's gonna be all right. You're not gonna lose your mind. You're not gonna lose your family. You're not gonna lose your future. Everything is gonna be all. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson, or you can come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.